0: The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return.
1: Hello, my name is Joni Siegel, and this is the Addiction Podcast Point of No Return. I'm your host. My husband Steve Siegel is co-founder and producer of the podcast. Today's episode is episode number 343. And we today we have an interview, but before I tell you about our interview E. Just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star rating so that when people are looking for help with addiction, they find our podcast because hopefully our stories give people hope and give them ideas of where they can get help. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And once again, give our videos a thumbs up so that Google will help people find us and subscribe. And that way, you can, and if you ring the bell, you can get notified when we have a new episode going up. Okay. So today, we are going to be talking to a gentleman named Thaddeus Cleveland. Thaddeus's service to this country began its course while proudly serving in the United States Air Force. Go Air Force. He served on the Terrell County Independent School District School Board for eight years and is the board president four of those years. Currently, Thaddeus is the sheriff for Terrell County, Texas. He was appointed as sheriff on May 17, 2022. Prior to his appointment, he spent just over twenty-six years in the United States Border Patrol, and the last eleven years of his career as the border as the patrol agent in charge of the Sanderson Border Patrol Station. That's kind of why we're going to talk to him today, because. Uh, there's a lot of attention on the border and the fentanyl coming in over the border. Now, before I forget, because I might, I want to also mention that Thaddeus uh, Cleveland is going to be speaking at the big rally in a couple weeks at, in Washington, D.C. That is put on by the Lost Voices of Fentanyl. So without further ado, uh, let's talk to Thaddeus C. Cleveland, Sheriff Cleveland. Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and being willing to share your insights.
0: Hey, well, thank you for having me. The, honestly, the pleasure is mine. Thank you.
1: Thank you. So, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, you know, where you grew up. What kind of what led you down the path to you know getting the border patrol? What, how did that happen? But take us back to the beginning. Tell us hey, about I, your childhood. I sure will.
0: No, I sure will. So, uh, Actually, where I'm the county sheriff at here in in Terrell County, Sanderson, Texas, being the county seat, this is where I grew up. This is where uh, I moved in about first grade um, to go back to the very beginning. So, you know, as we discussed prior that both my grandfathers were career Air Force. So, of course, my parents met in Abilene, Texas, where Dias Air Force Base is. And they they were pregnant by 16, had me by 17, um, divorced a few years later. And uh, both were in that time period, you know, drugs and alcohol. And uh, I, I can remember I came to live with my grandmother for a little bit. And then my mom got remarried and, and went back to live with her for a little bit. And and again, just some of that same cycle. So the, the family came and pulled me out. And I was raised by my grandmother here. Um, strong Christian woman. Had aunts and uncles that were, were like parents as well. And then so many families in this community. So many families that treated me like I was um, one of their own. Um, and I often tell people... Um, more often than not, that I was probably better off than most kids with two parents, just uh, truly a product of this community. And I'll, I'll get to that little piece here in a bit about becoming a sheriff. But no, from about first grade, I knew I would be a public servant. I knew I'd be in law enforcement. Um, it, it's just something I remember taking some sort of little test that you answer these questions and I can remember it saying that I was going to be a public servant and I uh, had a, a cousin whose grandfather who lived here as well. He was our sheriff back in the, uh, the early 80s. So I'm sure that that definitely had an impact and kind of guided me toward that career field. But um, graduated high school here. I went to a semester of college and then soon after joined the Air Force. And uh, again, I, part of God's plan, I went to a career field that I had no intent on going into. But uh, had I gone into the one I wanted, I probably would not have gotten out when I didn't got into the water patrol. I wanted to be security police. But, uh, but when I got to, to basic training, it, all the jobs listed were medical career field. And I picked one. And three years later, I would passed the border patrol test, and, and my career field was overmanned, and they supported me getting out early. So uh, I started my Sheriff, border Sheriff,
1: patrol- I just want to stop you for a second. I'm so sorry to yeah. interrupt you because no, um, I I just love listening to you talk because, as we said, I was born in Texas and had family there, and ha- still have family there. But um, did you did you say that you had your own little bit of drug and alcohol problem of your own? No, I did. Oh, I did, you didn't. Parents, okay. Parents.
0: So that's that's when the family. And I was in kindergarten, first grade. That's when okay. they removed me from that situation.
1: Because your parents um, did. So because right. what I was going to say was you had some firsthand knowledge of this particular situation. That
0: Sure. Didn't know what it was. Didn't know what it was. It just wasn't normal, I guess. Um, right. Had no idea what it was at that age. But okay. uh, but the family knew that it was a, a, a place I didn't need to be raised in. So they, they went and got me and, and brought me to live with my grandmother.
1: Okay. Blessing
0: huge blessing I, I tell you had, had I not been raised by her um there's no telling where I'd be honestly so
1: I understand but, uh, she did, she did good <laughs> oh my
0: goodness and, and you know and she did and uh other aunts and uncles and then again just the the, the people in this community but uh and and Still pretty interrupted at times because I'll just continue to go and go and go. And, and you won't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> if,
1: oh, I'll get a word in edgewise. Trust me. So, okay. So you ended up, what year did you enter the border patrol? What year was that?
0: So that was uh, 1996. So I, I got out of the Air Force in, in uh, late 95 and went straight into the border patrol in 96. Um, again, just part of God's plan. I got stationed in Nogales, Arizona. And at that time, um, along the southwest border, Nogales, Arizona, was ground zero for not just um, illegal immigration, but also the amount of, of illegal narcotics that would enter our country through that piece of border.
1: Wow. So and, back then, it was still it was a situation then as well.
0: Oh, it was. It was. Oh, yeah. And of course, you know, illegal immigration has been around for, for a very long time. And a lot of the places along the border are even Old trails that the Indians would use, you know, crossing back and forth and being nomadic and whatnot. But it's a lot of the same crossing locations that have just been used for for not just that as well, but also for, you know, you go back to the time of Prohibition and uh, and the things of that nature. That's just the Mexican border has always been that, that border for, for illegal things.
1: And, I mean, I'm going to ask your take on it as we talk a little bit more, but it in my mind... It, it it seems like it would be hard to patrol every single inch of that border. Now I realize that with them being wide open like they are right now, that's kind of nutty if I can say that. But I would think it would be quite a challenge to close the border all the way.
0: It, it, and you're right. And uh, you know when we talk about tactical infrastructure, um, we're, we're not just talking about fencing because fencing's a, bit, a large part of it. So. Here in Texas, we have the Rio, Grande Bar- the Rio Grande River that serves as a natural barrier. When I worked out in Arizona, and I spent about ten years total out in Arizona, but it was just a barbed wire fence when I when I started as border patrol agent. Oh. That was it. And I used to get—I was our public information officer—and I used to get border tours, and I, you know, I point out that that five strand barbed wire fence separated a country of prosperity and a country of poverty.
1: And that's not going to keep anybody out.
0: No, 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 not at all. So you know, when they build fences, it's it's not going to be an end all either. Um, we have different fencing systems that, that keep people out, that keep vehicles out, um, but it's meant to be a deterrent and mm-hmm. and give us the border patrol agents. And I still say us, even on the sheriff, because that was a, a a lifetime career there, half my life anyway. But it gives us the tactical advantage to be able to to push traffic to areas where we have the advantage to work it. Um, but but it's not just the tactical infrastructure of fencing. We have roads, we have lighting systems, and then you have the technology that's key. You have cameras that can see day and night. You have cameras that are uh, fixed to radars where it, the radar has a detection, the camera slays over and, and picks up whatever it may be. Um, we have ground sensors that are that are seismic. So if something steps over them and it vibrates, then it, it, it sends a signal back to the station that said, hey, you had a an intrusion in this area. Um, you know, there, So there's that technology then you have to have the person with the badge on their chest. They can go out there and make that apprehension. So it, it takes manpower, and then lastly, it, it takes a consequence. So if you're going to secure your border, and you're right, you're, you're never going to be able to 100% secure it. They're going to go over the fence, under the fence, through the fence. I've seen it all, um, or to a place where there is no fence. But if you don't, if you don't have a consequence for those that are crossing our borders illegally, they're going to continue to do it. You have to have that consequence. That's either going to be some jail time or some some more some short of other consequence, so.
1: Sometimes, the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. The service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. We appreciate you listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. We don't do this podcast because we are former addicts. We don't do this podcast because we have loved ones who have suffered from addiction. We do this podcast because we feel that addiction is one of the biggest problems facing the world today, and that no matter who you are, no matter your religion, no matter your income status, no matter your race, no matter anything about you, addiction affects you. This podcast is a free resource for anybody looking for help with addiction. If you would like to contribute to our podcast, please go to bit.ly slash fightdrugs. That's https colon slash slash bit.ly slash fightdrugs and make a donation of whatever amount you would like. Thank you for supporting us. And right um, now we don't have that, correct?
0: Well, we're, we're getting back to it. Um, okay. So under Title 42, we didn't. And and I'll tell you, a lot of people, even our, our, our politicians were saying, hey, we need to get rid of Title 42. And in Title 42 was an authority given to the Border Patrol from the Health and Human Service, Public Health Service to protect our agents from COVID, to protect our communities along the border from COVID. But it, it's not meant to be an immigration tool. It was starting to be used as an immigration tool. Hmm. And, and I'll tell you, it, it it made things for us easier, but it meaning Border Patrol, but it took away, again, that consequence. So if we caught somebody from Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, or El Salvador, they were immediately sent right back to Mexico. So there's no consequence. You get right. caught, you go back. Then you get to try to cross again. You get right. caught, you go back. And then when you eventually quit seeing that person likely the likelihood is that they, they made it the United States.
1: Right. Right.
0: So, um, but, but now we're back to the, the consequences and, and, you know, unfortunately there's a, a lot of smoke and mirrors and, and I'm not one that wants to cast blame on any certain political party. Cause I'll be the first to tell you Republicans and Democrats, both have had opportunities to, to fix this problem and they don't want to. Um, but, but with that being said, under I worked under five different presidential administrations: President Clinton, President Bush, President Obama, President Trump, and then I, I worked for about a year and a half of President mm-hmm. Biden. And I can tell you, those first four presidents all did something in regards to their Republican or Democrat to further border security to increase border security. But this current administration, um, absolutely nothing. It, it truly what you hear when when it's criticized, it's accurate. Um, wow. I don't I don't have. I'm not going to give you a one-sided story. I'll be completely honest. It's it's unlike we've ever seen before, and, and actually, the border patrol turns 100 years next year. They they turned 99 this past May, and and I like to say, after you know 99 years of progress on our border, it took this administration six months to completely um, deconstruct the progress we had made.
1: That's. Well, I was going to say that's criminal. I know I can get in trouble for that, but it's not. Uh,
0: It's treasonous. I'll I'll say say it's treasonous. I agree.
1: Um, I agree.
0: And I think they're doing it for a reason. Uh, You know, before I didn't understand that. And I've done some research and studying and and whatnot. And I won't get into all all of that. But, uh, but, you know, we're focused kind of on the the immigration part. But, you know, our our borders are porous. and, And not only can people come over, but dangerous drugs and weapons as well.
1: Well, yeah. And that's the whole point of the, you know, of this podcast and why we're talking to you because, you know, okay, it's one thing for people to come over and it's also one thing for people to potentially bring disease over like during COVID, but they're bringing over fentanyl in, in a, in a big way, a huge way. And that's resulting in the, the, the murder of our children. Yes you are listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review.
0: It's horrible. I'll tell you, we've we've never seen anything like it. And, you know, I really I thought I knew a lot about fentanyl. And uh, last year I went and spoke at the Lost Voices of Fentanyl Rally in D.C. That was their second one. And and I went and met with some of the families before and and attended some meetings. And, And I'll tell you what, I learned so much more and I continue to learn more from the families. You know, we were we were made aware as law enforcement officers of the dangers of fentanyl and, and possibly touching in it and being exposed and, and having a reaction and, and possibly a poisoning. But until I really met these families and got a better understanding, it really opened it opened my eyes. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, the left's going to tell you that it, it only comes through the Port of Entry because they want to act like the areas between the Port of Entry were Border Patrol patrols. There's nothing there. But the right's going to point out to you that, no, it's also coming from there. Regardless of where it's coming through, it's still indicative of a porous border, an unsecure border.
1: Yep. Yep. And I saw, I think it was at one of the congressional hearings, I saw an actual video, you know, one of those night vision videos of guys coming in with backpacks. And that's exactly what they were bringing over the border. So it's not only coming in through the ports. That's that's not the case.
0: And and, you know, and I like to make the point as well, is that, uh, you know, the seizures continue to get larger and larger. I mean, for the past two years, we've seen record-breaking seizures. You know, in in Arizona and California are are where the the largest or the most seizures are made. Not as much in Texas and New Mexico, but they're still crossing at both locations. But each time you see a larger and larger and a record-breaking seizure, it just shows that the, the cartels. Are, are getting more brazen and they're, they're smuggling more because they're getting away with
1: it. So. Right. Cause, and those are only the ones that we catch. And I We're don't right. think we catch the majority at this no, point. No, we
0: don't. We, and we never have with any illegal narcotic or marijuana, things like that.
1: Yep. What made you shift from the border patrol to being a sheriff? And how does that affect, you know, your ability, um, to kind of help with the situation.
0: Yes, ma'am. So I was 48 years old. I had 26 years in the border patrol, um, 15 months, 16 months ago. And I had spent the last 11 years of that 26 years career as the patrol agent in charge of the Sanderson border patrol station right here in my hometown. I wanted to come home and raise my kiddos. And, uh, I thought I'd be there at was 57. We have a mandatory retirement age of 57 in federal law enforcement. and, And I thought I would be there, but, uh, our, our newly elected sheriff, Santiago Gonzalez, Jr. Very good friend of mine. I've known him since I was in high school here. He had just started his border patrol career here in Sanderson. It's been his entire 30 years here. He ran for sheriff and he won. And, uh, he, he was our sheriff for a year. And at the age of 55, he had a heart attack and he didn't make it. Mm, and, uh, sorry. you know, just, yeah, no, I, and I tell you, still, um, think thought a lot of, me. but, uh, I had the time at that point to retire and my community was in need. Um, you know, and, and sure, other people could have filled that role. But but I tell you, there wasn't going to be anybody that was going to take care of this community. And as I described earlier, this community that took care of me and raised me. And it was it was time to uh, to give back. And I know that sounds cliche. And a lot of times people will say that. But honestly, it, it was truly time to give back. And uh, I have had this last 15 months the time of my life. It has been so much fun. Um, we've caught um, just over 700 illegal aliens or assisted Border Patrol out of this office. Um, close to 200 vehicles we've taken off the roadway that we're smuggling. Um, I tell you, I work about hundred times harder for about a quarter of the pay But I would do it for free. But you, as
1: sheriff, can take action. You can put some of those consequences in place, whereas the border patrol cannot, right?
0: You you know, and and again, the the agents here and the agents across the border they they do tremendous work. Absolutely, They're, 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 they're obviously they're limited by the administration because the administration, and it doesn't matter if it's the border patrol or the assistant U.S. attorneys that prosecute border patrol cases. When they're working for a higher administration, such as the president, they're going to have to take that direction. Yep. Here at the sheriff, the 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 buck stops with me, and I've got a great partner that was also a prior border patrol. We've been through this journey together the entire time, and uh, and I'll tell you, you know, there's so much red tape in the federal government. And, and speaking directly, the border patrol um, process. Let's say when you catch an Ill- illegal alien smuggling load, just the amount of paperwork you have to do nowadays to to prosecute the case and then likely having it declined. Um, what the state of Texas is doing for border security the, the state has a much harsher penalty for illegal alien smuggling. You're looking at about 10 years, um, per illegal alien that you're smuggling. Um, you're also, uh, it's, it's just easier to process a case. I can complete a whole case in about an hour where at Border patrol, it would take about eight hours to complete a case. So, wow. so much different, but, but to your point, yes, that the bug stops with me and, uh, you know first and foremost we're gonna we're gonna take care of our town and our community but I like to say that uh you know we don't have we really don't have a crime problem here. We have a national security problem in my county. My county makes up uh 54 miles of border with Mexico. So it's that's a that's a large um expanse there or expanse. So yeah. um, we don't have the amount of activity that you see in places like Del Rio that you've seen on the T V or El Paso or or out in Tucson, Arizona. But for the, the vast amount of water that we have, and the, we have about 50 agents assigned to the station. So when, when you talked earlier and your, your initial question was, there's no way we can watch the entire border. And you're exactly right. There's areas that we don't get to very often. So we have the number of people we know we apprehend, which last year was about 7,500. Then we have a, a kind of a, a best guess based on our agent's knowledge and, and their abilities how many people got away? Based on looking at shoe prints, camera activations, and we had you know eighty five hundred ish right there as well. Okay. Then we have the unknown. We don't even know who crossed in this area out here. I mean, there's just there's no way to count, and we know we have a lot of activity that, that we're unaware of. So, um, the, I, I it's just it's been a lot. And to that end, I, I've got I have to mention that, so historically we're the busiest station between Del Rio, Texas to El Paso, Texas, about 600 miles. And uh, in historically about a thousand apprehensions a year. That's a drop in the bucket compared to the rest of the border. But the first year that the President Biden took over, we jumped up to 5,500 apprehensions from a thousand to 5,500. Wow. And then that second year, 2021, that's when we jumped up to the, I, I think I said 7,500, it was 7,300 apprehensions. So like the rest of the border, we have seen that same increase in activity.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, personally, I am glad that you are in a position to um, kick butt and take names. <laughs> well, well, thank and, you. And, and not have to, um, and on your own terms. And I mean, they're legal, obviously, but on your yes, on your own
0: pleasure. terms. Yep. Yes. And that's a great point because uh, we've we've got in our area when I was at Border Patrol and, and even since I've taken over as sheriff, as sure, you know you're always not out here as much, but you'll have the vigilantes on one side and then the faith based organizations and then Border Patrols in the middle trying t- to balance those and and uh, even out here we've got some some sovereign citizens if you will, <laughs> but regardless, my point is is that they're still American citizens and we're still here to protect their rights so. When you say yes, we're going to do it correctly, we certainly do. We're still looking at the rights of people. We're not looking to 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 do anything that's that's off the wall, if you will, but but no, first and foremost, to protect Americans and, and take care of our county here.
1: That's awesome. What are you going to say in Washington, dC. sheriff? What are you going to what are you, you know, going to say?
0: Uh, you know so actually, I just spoke this past weekend at at a, at a rally. Uh, it was called Travis's Voice, The Ocean Speaks, and it was down south of Houston, and it was a fit and all um, family and angel moms gathering. I've got one coming up August thirty first in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'll be speaking at, and then of course in September twenty third, the the Lost Voices, and and this year's theme's kind of been how what happens at the border, you know, it doesn't stay here; it, it's going somewhere in the United States, and how what happens here affects the rest of the United States. So I'll, I'll give a, an update on what we're seeing across the border and uh, and then how it's impacting the rest of America Um, in saying that. So I went and spoke at a town hall meeting in a place um, just north of Houston called San Jacinto County. Y'all may recall about two months ago, there was a shooting in in, uh, uh, Cleveland, Texas, um, right next to Cleveland, Texas and uh, next to San Jacinto County where an illegal alien shot a family of five and, and ended up killing them all. Um, and again, that just shows that what, what crosses this border, it's going somewhere else, and, and how it's affecting. So they they invited myself and a couple other border sheriffs to to be able to, to talk to what's going on at the border and how these other communities are being impacted by it. Wow. So so that that'll be one of the you know one of the the topics I speak on as well. Um, but again, I will tell you just to, to support those families. Um, you know, to be there, to, to give hugs, to uh, to show some love, to listen, and uh, and also to, to talk a little bit about the border. But one piece I want to mention, are you all familiar with Jason Jones at all? Have, have you all heard of Jason Jones? He reports uh, for Newsmax. I have not. I'm now, not if familiar. you can chat, and actually, you can go to my webpage, uh, thaddeus dot texascom and, and see some of the interviews I've had with him. But he came out on the road with me, and he's a retired Depu- Department of Public Safety um, highway Patrol Trooper, and, and now he he travels the border. He's an expert on the cartels, and he's going to be speaking there as well. But when he was out here last with us, you know, we talked about the border. We both spent careers on the border, and and he said it best. And I said, I, I told him I was going to steal his words and give him credit. But he said, the ones that will finally get the the border situation under control will be these fentanyl families, these angel moms, because their voice is loud. Unfortunately, it's growing day by day. Because they're losing loved ones, um, they're uniting, and uh, and they're relentless. I mean, it, and there are there are fathers involved in the mix, but you know how you mothers are. Uh,
1: Absolutely,
0: I, I tell you, this is what's going to do it. Um, they're not going to give up until it's Mm-mm. done. So, Mm-mm.
1: I know we we had April Babcock on the podcast, and you know I just applaud these moms and the fact that in you know instead of just giving into the grief, they they wanna make something happen. I wanna get something done. And um, like you, they kick butt, they take names.
0: Well, I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna be there to support them every step of the way, whatever I can do, um, I, I've let them, I wish I could do more. Um, and, and with that, and, and as I'm thinking about this past weekend and other events I've been to, if you look at these, these photos of, of not just, I mean, there's there's been children Young children that have have gotten fentanyl in their homes to, to teenagers to young adults to to even some middle aged adults that have been poisoned, and I'll tell you, they look just like my kids. Um, yep. They look like my my friends. I mean, it's it's not what people think yep. that when somebody you know, it, this this is different. Yeah, yep.
1: it's so easy, and we've talked about this so many times on the podcast. It's so easy for people to go, well, my kid would never do that, it, it, you know. It <clears throat> that is a oh excuse me, that is a head in the sand viewpoint. This particular situation with the poisoning with fentanyl is happening to all kinds of kids, and not because they're bad, not because their parents didn't raise them right. It's just something they decide they want to try, and then it's poison.
0: Hey, and and I've got you know three beautiful wonderful kids. Um, one's serving, one's graduated college, another one's at college, but. Um, they've got a little bit of me in them and, 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 uh, sure. No, you, you get curious or, I mean, it's, or and you may not even, you may think you're getting some legitimate pill and it, yeah. it's just know, trying it's to face.
1: Xanax or a Percocet. So. No, 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 no. Mm-mm. But, but
0: you're right on, on, on April, just and not just April, so many more just yep. truly yep. amazing people. There's so many organizations out there that are, that are educating. And that's, that's where I want to step in and, and help get the word out. Um, i tell you just i wish i could do more
1: well i super appreciate you talking to us today tell me the name of your website again daddy's for texas
0: oh Thaddeus. so that is for texas yes, oh ma'am. that's
1: right i saw that Thaddeus one
0: Thaddeus for okay. texas and then you know so i never did social media or anything before i, I it always made me mad because of all the complaining people do but when i took over the sheriff's office um we really grew the sheriff's office page and then i wanted to create my own page and and just again not to not to self-serve but to show show that first of all, there's a problem and then to support our border patrol. And I tell you, I've been able to support the border patrol probably more from this office than I was even able to as the patrol agent in charge.
1: I can understand and then, that.
0: Yep. And then to show the good work that, that not just that they do, but our, our Texas department of public safety does that our game wardens do. And then of course our sheriff's office with the, the local partners, you know, a lot of good work going out there. What, what governor Abbott has done for the state of Texas has been tremendous. Um, I, I tell you, I can I can testify to that because I've experienced it. Uh, last October, I wrote him a letter um, and told him just how much activity we're having, and I needed additional help. He had already sent some assistance down this way, and, and I wrote it on a Saturday. I published it on my Facebook, but I, I made sure he had the opportunity to read it first, and it wasn't anything that was bad. I just wanted to make right. sure
1: right. that he
0: read it. and on a, a Sunday, one of his staffers called and on Monday he and I talked and, and I asked for 10 more DPS troopers and, and he gave me exactly that. And we, we had some, some fun. We, awesome. we, we had some fun. So, <laughs> um, but my, my Facebook page, if you get the chance, either the Terrell County Sheriff's office or Sheriff Daddy's Cleveland. And uh, again, you know, it's, we've slowed down with the legal alien activity, but, but really getting out there and, and trying to put some awareness for, for fentanyl. I, I've been fortunate with some media interviews. So I, I post those. And, uh, you know, I just want to be an advocate for the border, for Border Patrol, for America, um, for and All Families and Angel Moms as well.
1: I love it. How can we or how can my listeners support what what you're doing or support the Border Patrol? How can we support that?
0: You know, so it, and, and and obviously, like you said, are biggest podcast out there. And, um, you know, for people from all over America, you know, it, it may be kind of difficult difficult from someone from Iowa. Um, I would say first and foremost, prayers, prayer works. I tell you, okay. I, I pray daily, not just in the morning and not just at night throughout the day prayer works, but we have some organizations down here on the border. Um, a, a good Facebook website is called border care project, the border care project, and it's an organization out of San Antonio and they bring supplies to the border for our agents and not just for them, because a lot of times when we encounter illegal aliens, um, they're in distress, they're close to death. And we're not out there just to, 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 to apprehend them. We're actually out there on, on a lot of times, life-saving, um, I won't say adventure, but life-saving efforts. Yeah. With that said,
1: yeah.
0: um, historically, we've had maybe one death a year in our area of responsibility here in Terrell County. The last 15 months, we've had 24 people die trying to cross our borders. Wow. So uh, this, this portion of the Chihuahuan Desert, this portion of the border, the two thousand mile border with Mexico is the roughest, toughest, most unforgiving piece of border,
1: hmm. and
0: uh, and regardless, you don't want to see anybody die, right? Uh, you don't. It doesn't matter if you're here legally, illegally. Um, you know, we want people to live. Yeah. So, uh, but the border care project they they pr- provide supplies such as medical supplies, electrolytes, water. Um, you know little snacks for agents to take with them or even to give to the, the people that we apprehend to uh, to provide to them so
1: and I'm assuming um, people could just Google that border care project yeah. okay y- yes ma'am and it's okay. got a
0: Facebook page so okay. and if not have them call my office and, and we'll make sure they get get to that that organization.
1: And you have the Terrell County Sheriff's Facebook page. Yes ma'am. And is that used for Texas is that a Facebook page? I know it's a website.
0: It's just a website my own okay, personal Facebook is the Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland, Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland.
1: Okay, good. So thank you for everything that you're doing to help keep our borders safe. And just thank you for doing what you do. And thank you for going to the rally and raising your voice, because that's huge when you do something like that. And thank you for being willing to talk to us today.
0: Well, and and, you know, I, I, Hearing you say that, and I have to tell this, so thank you for, for thanking me. But, you know, often people say, thank you for what you do. Your job so difficult and it's so hard. And, and I tell them, I said, I'm in law enforcement because I knew from a young age I would be in law enforcement. What's hard about our job is when you're seeing the women and the children um, that are being trafficked, even the old people that are that are being crossed. Um, when you see that on a daily basis, it, it's hard. If you've got a heart and, and, and you believe in God, it's, it's going to wear on you, but uh, just... Again, you asked what can people do, you know, pray for our nation, pray for the leadership of our nation and and, uh, those that are helping secure our borders.
1: Great advice. Thank you, Sheriff.
0: Thank you all. God bless.
1: I hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, I don't know about you. I don't live in Texas. I live in Florida. But I'm really glad that we have someone like Sheriff Cleveland down there on the Texas border doing what he can. To prevent um, drugs coming in over the border, we know it's a situation. We know that the um, current administration, and yeah, we can say it's Democrats, but I'm gonna put the Republicans in there too, because this is non this is nonpartisan. it's non political, and it's not being handled. And as far as I'm concerned, both parties are just as guilty and responsible. So there you go. That's my story. We um, Don't forget, if you want to go to the rally, you can still go. It's September 23rd in Washington, DC. A lot of great speakers, including Sheriff Cleveland, including Gerald Posner that we've had on the podcast and others that we've had on the podcast. It's quite an agenda that they have and you can lend your voice and lend your body if you are so inclined. Thank you so much again for listening. And if you know somebody who needs treatment or you yourself need treatment, please don't wait to take action. The holidays are right around the corner. And the biggest mistake people make is deciding that they don't want their loved one or they don't want themselves to go into treatment through the holidays. And all I'm gonna say is if you have someone in your family that needs treatment and you decide to put it off, you run two risks. One, they could die, fentanyl is in all kinds of drugs, so they could die or could just die of an overdose, or they could make the holidays much more miserable than they, than they would be without. So get your loved ones into treatment, do it now because maybe they'll be done by Christmas. Thanksgiving. And if you need treatment, same thing. Get in now. Get it done before the holidays. What a nice gift for everyone else. We'll be back again next week with an interview.
0: You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast, point of no return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is the Addiction Podcast at yahoo.com.